Hello, Belinda. Hi, Omar. What is this week's gratitude topic? Well, we had so much fun talking about why gratitude, and we got so much interest in that episode that this week we're going to start with the theme of why art. Why gratitude was like our number one podcast so far for seven days. And so it's just, it's also that season where gratitude is top of mind. And one of the ways into gratitude with gratitude blooming is art. And sometimes people think of art as like, oh, it's a pretty picture, but it's way more than that. And fortunately, we have the wonderful artist Arlene Kim Suda who encourages all of us to tap into our inner artist joining us today as well. Hi, Belinda and Omar. Great to see you too, as always. Omar, you were the one that was so inspired this morning around this topic, having held space for organizations recently and having this question kind of coming up in the circles that you're holding. So tell us about what is really top of mind when it comes to art in the way that we want to introduce it with Gratitude Blooming. Well, I can definitely tell you that if eight years ago you had asked me to interpret art and that I would be spending a decent amount of my time interpreting art, I'd be like, that's crazy. No way. And I think part of it is because I came to this practice through meditation and mindfulness, and it was a lot of sort of interior work. And what I think has been so powerful about the gratitude blooming cards is that it's outside of myself. And there's an opportunity, and I think psychologists call it, there's these third objects that allow us to, in some ways, project onto something. And that projection onto something allows us to, one, to sort of lower our own walls, right? Like we have these sort of security walls about how we want to think about emotions or feelings and these topics that vulnerability kind of connects to, but by focusing on this third object, then all of a sudden we're allowing ourselves to be a little bit more comfortable and open. But I think there's something even more powerful. And I kind of came across a technical term called visual thinking strategies from Oren Slosberg, who is the executive director of Commonweal. And he talked about visual thinking strategies as something that educational institutions and fine art museums intentionally hold space for. And it's basically a simple process of looking at art that helps people sort of into a deeper understanding and interpretation. And the first step is really simply to look at the art and ask a very simple question. What do you see? Maybe what colors are used? What is the subject matter? And then once you have a good sense of what you're looking at, the next step is start asking questions. Like, what do you think is happening in this painting? What might the artist be trying to say? What does this remind you of? When you're just interpreting art, and Arlene does such a great job of reminding us all the time, is that there's no right or wrong answer. We're just allowing ourselves to feel whatever feelings, whatever memories, emotions, thoughts, ideas to come up and just, and as we like to say, notice and name them. I love that. I feel like one of the greatest gifts Gratitude Blooming has given me personally is just language and visual imagery to really tap into feelings. Growing up in a traditional Asian household, feelings was not something that we talked about or 
had examples of like, how do you do that? Like we just didn't do it. And I feel like Arlene, your art has really, because I'm also more of a visual person, I don't really communicate with words as well as I do with, with visuals. It has helped me kind of what I'm experiencing and use it, use nature as kind of the metaphor as well in the art. I'm curious for you, how have you seen art to be a healing force in the world? I know that's part of your mission is really to alleviate like suffering in the world through art. So can you tell us a bit more about that? Well, first, I want to say that some of my favorite parts of the podcast have been listening to either the guests or sometimes the two of you describe the artwork. And it's always been when I hear it experienced through somebody else, it gives the art a whole new life. And so there is something really wonderful about what you were saying, Omar, about just this practice of looking at the art. It's a way to connect not only to the artists, but to all the others that have the same experience with that artwork. I've been doing a lot of reading about plants lately, and here is a, a book that I've been reading lately called Plant Spirit Medicine by Elliot Cowan. And he does, it's a beautiful book. I recommend it, but there is this myth that appeared in, it looks like chapter 15 of the book, and he does these chapters, certain chapters on the elements, and this element was wood. And I think that this passage just, well, it's a myth. And I don't, he doesn't reference where it came from, so, but you get the sense that it's very old. So I'll just go ahead and read it. Some say dreamers' first dream was the elements. Out of his imagination sprang fire, earth, metal, and water, all surging in chaotic flux. After he finished his creation, Dreamer contemplated it and was pleased for a while. Eventually, he got bored with the flux. Although it was pretty intriguing compared to sheer nothingness, flux didn't have much of a plot. In fact, with no here or there, no before or after, no you or me, one could say that flux has no plot at all. So it was that Dreamer began to long for some good stories to while away the eons. This is remarkable considering stories hadn't yet been invented, and there was no one to tell them or act them out. But then Dreamer is remarkable. One of Dreamer's many remarkable qualities is inventiveness, and he devised a way to generate a never-ending supply of really terrific tales. He dreamed a tree growing right at the center of his centerless universe. Maybe you're thinking that a tree isn't much as a source of epic dramas, but things were different back then at the beginning. Once the tree was growing, it needed room to grow. Zap! Suddenly, space existed, where only chaos reigned before. And if this weren't enough, the tree needed its limbs to grow up and its roots to grow down. Zap again. Suddenly, there was direction in the universe. Now that there was a way to get organized, the tree instructed fire to put itself together as the sun above. 
and earth got orders to collect itself as the soil below. Both fire and earth felt an agreeable sense of purpose once they were fitting into the new scheme of things, and it wasn't long before metal and water joined in too. Having created space and direction, the tree at the center of the universe began to grow. As it grew, it needed raw materials to make wood. It used what was at hand, fire, earth, metal, and water. These were organized into something new and unique, an individual self made of the elements, but somehow separate from them. This was the first protagonist. I love the, is a tree enough of a story? And you think about well, one of the biggest stories ever told is the story of Adam and Eve and eating an apple from a tree, right? Or even sort of more kind of contemporary, the giving tree. And, and just how something as simple of an object like a tree allows sort of our imagination to start to find direction. I think the reason why this really, this passage stuck out to me is that as an artist, I think that's what you do. You just, you draw a line. If you were draw like a single line on a blank sheet of paper, all of a sudden you have space. And that really made me think about the new geometries that show up on the gratitude cards or the gratitude note cards. Yeah. It's like as soon as you draw a line, there's spaces invented. That's one of the magical things about art is if you can really get a sense of space, space, you create new worlds, really. And Arlene, you never knew back in 2016, 2015, as the art was starting to emerge, what would actually happen, right? So you, your imagination at that time was really focusing on the one plant at a time. And then that slowly kind of created momentum for it to eventually become a third object that we now use with communities. And I'm curious, we get a lot of questions around this with the art. How come you decided to make it really simple initially with the line drawings? And now what are you feeling is coming through with the additional color and the shapes? It's like the remixing of that initial simplicity. I'm a huge fan of Ellsworth Kelly, right? So, like, to me, I think I just had a little bit of his influence sort of, like, in my mind. And I think one of the lessons he has in his work, I mean, he does geometries, too, is you don't need a lot of complexity if you can get to the essence of something. And there is something about, and it's almost like you can't plan that out. It just has to happen. And so I think a little bit of that magic happened with the cards is that they were the bare essence of something. And I think it connects to the plant and to the theme that we need in our world now. Right. So I think that's that that was the seed. And then there is this whole community. Right. It wouldn't have happened without the two of you. So and then building the community outward. So, yeah, I don't think of them as simple drawings or maybe the quote about simplicity is not simple. I think these are there. They got to the essence of something. I like that. The essence of something in the workshop that I facilitated today. In the chat, someone said, the art feels 
Like it isn't complete. And they were then wondering how were they looking at the world because of that? And what it gave room for was, well, then they could complete the art, right? Like it gave room for them to then also recognize that things are always changing, right? So then something's feeling finished, then it's like, okay, it's done, but the world is never done. Change is never done. It's always ongoing. And so the simplicity and the minimalism then allows room for people to sort of keep reinterpreting, like, you've been at this since what year did you say yeah i always get my years mixed up at 2015 i think <laughs> 20, so seven years ago i've been working with the cards now since 2020 so i'm two plus years into this and it never fails like it never fails in terms of just an opportunity to pull a card and reflect on the art and to see then what happens. And now with the new sort of deck with the geometry, it's been, it's giving even more room, but still you've been able to add additions, but in yet another minimalist kind of way with the very simple geometric shapes and colors. I love hearing people's reaction about these not feeling finished. And I think the reason they're like this is really that this was a hundred day project. So it's like, what can you do? And you don't, for 100 days consecutively, you only have like maybe half an hour a day, right? So it's not like they couldn't be complicated. But I think that the world needed that simple version of these drawings that got to the essence of the theme that spoke through the plant. So, and I love this idea of having it be finished through the eyes of the viewer. It's funny, I use a these cards at our retreat center. So every guest that comes and stays for a week for a sabbatical, they get a card deck. And we've had a couple guests actually start to just add in color to the 39 card deck. And I love that it leaves room for creating your own narrative. Like Omar, you talk about a lot. It's like Arlene's provided us the essence of these elements of nature that then we can then build onto and that can change over time. I, I get some of the same cards over and over again. And, and every time I pick the card, because the context has changed in my life in that moment, there's new meaning to it. Like I picked three cards over the Thanksgiving holiday after all of our friends had left and I picked celebration and healing And in that moment, I was like, okay, I get there was a lot of celebration with loved ones. And then I looked at the healing card, which is the peony, kind of upside down. When I flipped the peony illustration the other way around, it kind of mirrored the bouquet of flowers in in celebration. Just being able to see things together. Also, I feel like the cards, the plants all kind of tell a more rich story together sometimes as well. So it was a really interesting moment when I flipped the card for healing and it was like, whoa, it looks like the bouquet of celebration. So there's like two parts that I feel like we're touching on. One part is the art making, and then there is the making of meaning, right, from the art. And that's, so then that sort of is the invitation in all of these things is like, where are we making art in our lives? Right. And sometimes we take that as a very literal thing, but 
Arlene, you've been so good at encouraging me. She said, oh, well, you're a storyteller and storytelling is an art and how to embrace that. And Belinda is like a social artist and her ability to kind of convene people and community and sort of share their sort of stories together. And I remember when I was the executive director of a nonprofit, we brought in this graphic thinker. His name is Bruce Mao. He's probably, he wrote the book Small, Medium, Large, Extra Large with Rem Coolhouse and he's got sort of world acc- accolades and it was fortunate to bring him in to lead a workshop with my board of directors. And one of the things that he did was he gave us a timer of 60 seconds and an object and he's like sketch this and he only gave people 60 seconds to sketch something and then we had to sort of interpret what that thing was and everybody could interpret what everybody drew right and so in 60 seconds with a quick sketch everybody can be like oh that's what this is and so i think all of a sudden we can one lower the barrier of fear to like what does it mean to become an artist right and that doesn't mean like some artists have sacrifices and make a commitment and a discipline. But also I think sometimes we rely way too much on experts in our culture and we don't give enough room for beginners and to kind of say like, Oh, like, Oh, you're, we're experts in gratitude, right? Like, no, like it's like literally gratitude is in all of us already. It is biologically a fact that we all have gratitude within us. Now, some of us might tap into that more than others. It may be easier for some people to access or not, but fundamentally it's all there. And I think it's the same with art. Like we can all sort of put a line on a piece of paper and then we can all interpret what that line means. And we can all be right about what that line means to us because we're each kind of coming at it from our own experience. So Omar, tell us how when you hold space for making meaning with art, what are some ways that you get into that space? So invite us here and our listeners into that space. I really like the visual thinking strategies, which is just what do you see? What colors are used? What is the subject matter? Right, And then you can start layering interpretation on top of that and then letting your sort of imagination extend even beyond what is sort of figuratively or literally in front of you. So we are going to show the cards, the note cards, and we're going to just take turns picking a card. So should we have the artist, Arlene, choose here? (laughs) How about the purple or no, the, okay, yeah, purple square. That's having the geometries. It's easier to do this. So I'm going to do a big reveal. What is this purple rectangle telling us? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Of course. Wild card. Okay, well, this is a great card for us to interpret because that's literally all the card is meant to help you do is as the wild card, give yourself permission to interpret the art. So I'd love for you to model for us when you get a wild card that says, This is one of two cards we left for you to imagine your own words of wisdom and gratitude. Like, what comes up for you seeing that? I see this very sort of light kind of branching piece. It's kind of moving from, on my screen at least, right to left. So there's sort of like an origin point. And then it starts to 
branch off quickly and then the branches have branches. And so just on a sort of literal basis, it's just a sort of exercise in multiple branching. And then when I start sort of interpreting on top of that, I then sort of think about evolution, right? Like something can start off in one point of view and then you can have these branching sort of experiences. And then now all of a sudden, as I think about branching, I think about like the multiverse and like, hey, there's multiple experiences that can be happening simultaneously. Um, but then when I also just sort of step back and kind of look at it as a whole, it kind of almost looks like a brain to me. And it's got like these sort of like <laughs> tendrils that are like, I can almost imagine synapses firing. And when I think about like the purple, so one, I don't see a square. I see more of like a rectangle and it, I'm not even sure it's like a complete rectangle. I'm not sure if it's just the angle that I'm looking at it. Um, but then it's, it almost gives it like this base because it now pushes my eye to the right with the color. And I think it, for me, it sort of flips because I'm so used to reading everything left to right. And the fact that this is in some ways presented right to left, that already kind of pushes my brain because I, I want to think of evolution as left to right. I want to think of growth as left to right. And so this already is just pushing me to think about things in a different way. Wow. I have to say, this is what I mean by it's such a gift because all these things would never have occurred to me. <laughs> Welcome to the inside of Omar's brain. Very interesting. A lot going on. In fact, my brain is, I feel my brain tingling. <laughs> For me, I'm drawn to the purple color. It re It reminds me of a lilac bush outside our house at the retreat center, and it, I then activate my senses, and I'm remembering the smell of that lilac when it's in full bloom. And it's interesting because this card is very much a winter expression of the lilac, which is just barren, and I'm noticing that now all of the trees losing their leaves. And so for me, maybe the word that comes up is like – the shedding, the letting go, the acceptance of loss that can happen in, in this winter seasonal transition. And yeah, it feels a little bit cold. Like I can imagine like being outside and feeling cold and the air feeling crisp. And also just this idea of dreaming, like, well, when there's nothing on these branches, what can I imagine? Right. It doesn't have to be the lilac flower that I normally see on, in, in real life. Like maybe there's a bird that is like right at the corner of this branch. Maybe there's a little nest there or a different kind of flower that can perch on those branches. So it also feels like possibility when everything is cleared out, which I think I'm kind of receiving this for the first time in that way, because in the past, I feel like I've really more fixated on the emptiness. From the emptiness, there there's room for things. Well, that's so beautiful, Belinda, just to hear your words around the art. It's so, it is such a gift to me. So, you know, what's coming up for me, and I've told stories about this, but I do remember drawing this. There was a real sadness drawing this. I mean, I drew this was a, a winter branch that was trimmed off of the lilac bush that we had in the backyard, 
But I felt a real sadness. And I think it's a little bit of what you're saying, Belinda, about a loss. I think I really was feeling that seasonal loss that comes with winter. And the magic of the drawing was by the time I finished it, I mean, it's sad when I'm drawing it, but by the time I was finished with it, I looked at it and I'm like, it looks like it's about to bud again. I mean, it looked, it didn't look like a winter branch. It looked like this was a spring branch and there was going to bud soon. And so it was just in that transformation happened over the course of the drawing. And now that I look at the square, the tilted half square, I mean, I think I made it purple because the lilac flowers are purple, but purple also feels, it does feel wintry. It feels it's a cool color and it almost feels like a shadow to me. And the way the shape is drawn there, it's almost like a portal too, right? Like a door, an opening, right? Like, so, and I don't know if that's related to like all of these things that we're saying that there's loss from loss or there's something new can grow. And, uh, but there is something about having to step through, right, and make that transition. I love from Belinda's sense of possibility to your own kind of journey to it being a portal. It reminds me of the saying, opportunity knocks, you still have to open the door, right? <laughs> and so I feel like each of these things is an opportunity, and how you open the door with the cards is give yourself permission to interpret. And even that, like, I know the wild card when we pull this in groups, people are like, oh, no, not the wild card, because we love somebody just kind of, it's so much easier to just be like, oh, just tell me what to answer, right? And this is saying, like, no, what is the theme? And I noticed that I didn't actually even give a theme for it. Like, I just sort of told you how it made me feel like, oh, no, it's left to right, not right to left. And I don't know, if I'm trying to think about what the theme would be for me, juxtaposition is what's coming up, which is like, how do you, you're juxtaposing the door with the art and the interpretation. And sometimes we only can understand something because it's in relationship to something else. And so, and maybe that's sort of part of it is how do we see things, even though they're completely different, they actually allow us to see commonality as well. So for me, like the difference that I feel starting this conversation now versus before is I feel like I'm more open to seeing things in a new way. And I really see the value of that. Like now I'm going to loose, be looser and the way I look at things today, I'm curious for you, Omar, having done this in a lot of different kind of workplace settings and especially just the one that you did today, why should someone do this with their team? It's like take the time when it's like a stressful time of year with so much work to do to meaning make together? Like what have, what value have you seen or what have you heard from the people that have participated? Yes. I was working with people who are on the wellness committee and just this company has 20,000 employees. And so they're really always trying to find ways to engage. And they heard from the CEO who spoke beforehand, who says like, look, we're in a time of a lot of change and change can sometimes be difficult. Um, And, this was not a 
normal workshop for them. I think, as I mentioned before, usually they have, they invite a speaker on wellness who talks for 45 minutes and then there's like 15 minutes of Q&A. And this was not that. This was, hey, we're going to participate. You're going to be part of the process here. And for them, they were surprised at how open and candid the response was from people. And part of what I said they were doing was creating space for trust. And the only way that you create space for trust is that you have to give trust to sort of create trust. Trust can't be sort of trust begets trust. And so if you want to create room for your team and organization, then you have to create room for a certain amount of space for conversations that you can't control. So, and I like even to the point where we're like, Hey, look, we're going to create unmute access. So anyone can unmute at any given time as opposed to there's a facilitator and only that person can unmute other people. And so just there's small, subtle things that you're kind of saying to folks like, hey, we really do want you to participate. And not just when I say you can participate. And we're going to create room for there's going to be some silence. And silence is going to be okay. And we're also going to just acknowledge that we are trying to do things different. And everybody's going to have to grow a little bit because of that. And and it and everybody was really surprised, though, about how much folks were willing to be vulnerable and open in healthy ways uh, as to what they were feeling. I love how you can get there in 45 minutes. It's a pretty powerful process. And as we wind down this episode today, just invite you to take a moment of pause uh, to look at something in a new way. It can be art that you already have in your house, or it could be the Gratitude Blooming card deck if you have it, or you can even go on our website to see all of the 39 themes and the note card descriptions and the artwork. And just take some time to dream around this. Like, what do you see? What is it telling you if you're having a conversation And if you want to take it a step further, we invite you to bring this to your team, your organization, your community, and just notice what comes up. What do you learn about each other and the way that you see the world? And it can start from something as simple as a tree. (laughs) Yes. Thanks to Arlene Smith. Well, we appreciate you listening. We're wishing you well, and we love to hear from you. So keep the conversation going. And don't forget, at gratitudeblooming.com, we still have the Bloom 22 for you to get 20% off anything in our shop. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.